Today we are joined by the Perma Pixie. Now I'm a bit excited just to be quiet about it. I saw on Facebook a course she was offering online for medicinal gardening and I was so amazed that this was available. Welcome mm, Perma Pixie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's very exciting to have you because you appealed to me. I love talking about healers and finding out about healers. And it really appealed to my sense of mystery and that the old ways. So when mm. I saw this, I was like, I need to have this woman speak to us. So tell me, where did your passion come from? Well, my passion came from the more than human world, the natural world. My passion came from the way that I felt in that world um, when I was a, a child and basically rippled and resonated from there. I always just felt calmer around plants and I'm not the kind of person that is generally calm either. So I would end up seeking places that helped me to to feel like this and I just noticed that whenever I was around them, I would feel a sense of grounding that I didn't feel anywhere else. And I couldn't put this into words, obviously, when I was a kid, but I can now in my adult life. Wow, that's blown my mind already. So tell me more about this feeling that you get, because we all live in concrete jungles now. So for those people, I guess that that's innate within them. How did you pursue that passion? Was it something encouraged in you by your family? Uh, thankfully, yes, but it was a, a, a strange because so I grew up in in suburbia, in like the middle of suburbia, and uh, I grew up with like an innate feeling that something was terribly wrong and I didn't know what. And as I grew up, I realized that what I uh, perceived was wrong was the society and civilization that I actually lived in and uh, that was compromising the things that I held dear, uh, the, the natural world that I had de held dear. And I, thankfully, my mom actually was just really good at encouraging me to do anything that I loved to do. So it could have been anything. And uh, she noticed that I would always pick like certain books off shelves when we were at the bookshop or that I was like outside playing with the fairies or whatever I was doing. And she really tried to just help me to follow my passion, whatever that was. And my passion appeared to be plants from a really young age. I, I've been passionate about lots of things as well because I get very excitable. <laughs> but this has been a, a running theme throughout my life of just being absolutely mesmerized by plants and not just plants though, but the, the inhabitants that rely on them, all of the creatures that rely on them. I felt like I grew up feeling like I was connected to, to these things and that they deserved to be perceived as living uh, as well as, as as humans. And I just didn't feel like people gave them the reverence or respect that they really deserved. That's amazing. Good on your mum. Let me just put that one out there. Yeah. Um, she's, she's fabulous. Yeah, fantastic. So I just want to come back to the name Permapixie. So for mm -hmm. people that don't know, and I'm still not 100% sure, what is permaculture? Yeah, well, there are so many different uh, descriptions and ways of looking at it. The way that I see permaculture is permaculture is described as, as a design science. It's a way 
of actually thinking, I think. It's basically reteaching us to think like ecology. So that's really thinking in a web-like system rather than a linear one, rather than just cause and effect. So as permaculturalists, we're actually trained to find the connections and relationships between things for a more regenerative future, for regenerative design. So do you mean between the plants and the animals and the humans, like the whole web yeah. of life? Right. Yeah, but it's really interesting because be, uh, this way of thinking can actually be applied to many different scenarios as well. So um, although a lot of people will interpret uh, permaculture as mainly landscape-based, which it is, it can also be applied to social systems as well. So it can be applied to social systems, economics, um, can be applied to pretty much all facets of life because it just teaches us to value the relationships between things and place things accordingly. And I think that it's easiest for uh, to apply to a landscape. Um, it makes the most sense to us, I think, um, rather than some of the social aspects. But I also teach social permaculture as well uh, because I believe that our landscapes are not going to necessarily change unless our our mindsets do and unless our thinking and the way that we, we relate to each other changes. Wow. So social permaculture. So that is about the webs and interactions that we hold as human beings. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it can be applied to like ourselves, like internally, it can be applied to relationship. It can be applied to group dynamics and it can be applied to political systems as well. That's amazing. I think I need to hop on to that one. Yeah, so- it's really interesting. So it's, it's very broad, but when people think about permaculture, they really do um, obviously think about the uh, landscape design aspects of it. But I really like to give people that, yeah, give offer people the alternatives to that as well so that they can see how encompassing the concept is and it's the way of thinking behind it which is really the gold I think. So where did permaculture come from? Like where did the concepts originate from? Well the term was coined uh, by two men in the I believe the 60s so um, it's uh, by Bill Mollison and David Holmgren However, the information is not new. So the information has been taken from various cultures around the world um, and they were basically looking at strategies and techniques that these cultures were using for more kind of regenerative agriculture, regenerative farming. So permaculture comes from the words permanent culture and permanent agriculture. So trying to have more permanent systems rather than temporary ones. Right. For the benefit of everything that's involved. Yeah. So this isn't new knowledge. And I just want to also kind of reiterate that this was a lot of this knowledge. We call it permaculture now. And um, I'm very, very happy that the concept was yeah, coined by by these people, um, no disrespect at all. But we have to also remember this is traditional knowledge and I think that we have to be really careful about the way that we apply it sometimes so that we can respect the cultures that we um, took it from. Yeah, so I'm feeling that respect is definitely within your being for those cultures. <laughs> so just to yeah. highlight that as well. So thank you for bringing that up. So aromatherapy is out there, flower essences are out there. So medicinal gardening, what is that? Well, I'm 
super passionate about about herbalism from literally from the ground up. Okay, so when I first started studying uh, naturopathy, this was years and years ago. I came fresh out of high school and started because I I love plants. I was completely dismayed because we never really got to touch many plants or see many plants growing. And if you want to be a clinician, which I'm now going back to study as a clinician, if you want to be a clinician, then that is great. But I wanted to know these plants intimately and I felt like I couldn't learn about the medicine if I didn't actually know the plant. It was like getting to know a personality or something like that and and getting to know this living thing and its habitat and the way that it grows and, you know, the way that it grows and where it grows and how it grows tells you so much about the medicinal qualities of a plant. And you really miss out on that if you don't get to see it and it's just all prescribed in an extract and and bottle. So I felt like more like I was being a chemist than being a herbalist. And that was just my, my perspective. And so that's when I went to go study permaculture. And now I'm kind of molding the worlds together. So the things that I now offer is um, grassroots herbalism workshops based in permaculture principles. So yeah, it's all about, it's all about from that from the plant to, to the medicine and basically bringing it into people's hands again. And also I believe wholeheartedly that healing is not within the product, but within the process. Mm-hmm. So this is what I love to teach. Teach me more about that. Now, healing is not in the product, in the process. Are you talking about intention of how it's grown, the process of putting it together? Yeah, that, yep. And, and intention is a great word as well, having an intention with that. But also what you learn from the plants and what you learn from your relationship with them. So the relationship, I feel, is where the healing comes in that connection and that connection to the for lack of a better term the natural kind of world and so having that connection there that has taught me so much more about healing than I think popping a like herb tea in my mouth ever really could you know and I feel like it's all part of the process because if you grow something and then you tend something and then you harvest something and then you finally make a remedy from it and then it touches your mouth, that's when it's complete. That's when the like healing process is complete because you've gone through that whole process. It's so powerful if you think about it like that. For me, we've only just got chickens and I was really against chickens because I knew I'd have to take them to the vet. I'm the person that, you know, looks after their animals. But the first time the chicken laid an egg, I was full on speechless. Like this came out of that bird. How did it make that egg? It was a different experience and relationship I had. So I can imagine with plants starting at the bottom and then coming up is something that's really important. Now tell me how, if you're like me, kills everything. How do you find this relationship with these plants? Through observation. So, and, and I think that you've also got to remember, like, as a gardener, you will kill things. Oh, okay. You, you just will. Like, I think that that's part of the parcel. In order to have things grow, you've got to have things die. And that's like a, you know, a metaphor for life, really. So you are going to kill things sometimes. You can't, you can't make sure that everything is growing all of the time. And I kill things still. 
but it's just part of the learning process. And I think that we need to be okay with the wisdom of trying. Really? That's so good. Yes. That is so yeah, good. Cause... I believe in that. And I, that's when I t- teach my courses, I'm just kind of like, just try, just and just just look at it, you know, like you learn more from actually going outside and looking at your plants and, and tending them and, and maybe killing things or getting a few things wrong than you will from like a website that gives you like an arbitrary idea of like plant this in six to seven weeks. It's like, well, that six to seven weeks could be dependent on so many factors. Like what's the humidity like? What's the soil like? What's the temperature like? Has there been any frost? Like so many variables. And we're just taking this kind of like very linear approach rather than concentrating on the relationship. So I think it's just like starting to 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 relate to it and to develop the relationship and that kind of like childlike curiosity and wonder that I think a lot of us forget about as we get a little bit older. So do you, in terms of pagan rituals and really earthy rituals, I love all that sort of stuff. Do you go by the moon? Is that part of permaculture or have I just totally left your field with that? No, that's not part of permaculture. Okay. It's part of biodynamics. Okay. See, permaculture tries to leave out a lot of um, spiritual connotations. And I don't necessarily agree with this because one of the, the things that I think about is most of the strategies that were taken from certain cultures around the world, those cultures would have had ritual and would have had certain spiritual practices that went along with those strategies. So I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, appropriate to remove them necessarily, but I know that permaculture is like seen as kind of like a design science and not with any spiritual connotation. However, biodynamic farming, that is about following the moon quite a lot. And I look into that. I do, and I like to follow it, and I definitely have been following Pagan Ritual for a very long time. However, I am not a diligent person. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm not, like, methodic necessarily where I'm like, oh, okay, it's this moon time, so I must plant this or I must harvest this or, like, it seems I want it to be in flow and not regimented. Yes, Yeah, so I like to – that's why I like the seasonal wheel of the year, like with pagan rituals, because it does feel like more of a kind of flowing expression and celebration. So one of the courses that I'm actually developing at the moment is a course called Ritual Herbalism, which is about performing certain rituals for yourself internally but through gardening and through uh, medicine-making as well. Uh, because I'm a very big believer in the external landscape mirroring the internal landscape and what's going on for us. And that's a big part of what I feel is the healing process. That is so true. Thank you so much for that. So now coming back to something I saw on your Facebook page, phytochemistry. What Mm. is that? Mm. So phyto is just a fancy name for plants. So you can just make yourself sound really, really smart. Um, But... (laughs) So it's basically just plant chemistry, and I love chemistry. It fills me with awe, and it's funny because I don't feel like I don't feel like magic and science are mutually exclusive. To me, they're quite the same thing. I don't think that you can get more magical than a chemical equation. Like you can't get more magical than photosynthesis. That is mind blowing to me. So yeah, last year. Uh, Oh, no, it was, it was this year I finished it, actually. I finished my year-long phytochemistry course online and 
it's one of the best things I've ever done. It's what uh, was run by one of my favorite herbalists, and I've been following her for years. She lives in America. Her name is Lisa Ganora, and I've been following her for so long, and then I realized she was doing an online course, and I was over the moon. (laughs) So phytochemistry. So is this helping you understand how the plants heal us? Yeah, very much so. Yep. So you look at all of the different compounds within a plant and the main thing that um that I think is you find patterns. You find patterns about how these different classes of chemicals work and then their effects on the physiological systems in our body and then you can understand it a whole lot a whole lot easier. And it's fascinating. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. So do you have a favorite go to to keep you healthy? Like a favorite I like saying mm. potion. Now I'm not saying that in a witchcrafty kind yeah, of way, yeah. but potion as in a healing, really potent, magical yeah. liquid. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do. So I, I usually go seasonally. So I'm not a big believer in taking something constantly. I uh, like to fluctuate with the seasons, you know, because we're offered these these foods and we're offered these medicines seasonally for a reason. However, I have I have two that I go to. One of them is is oat straw. So that's literally the plant that we get our oats from, um, and it's a phenomenal plant. It's called a Vena sativa, and if there is any plant that I think that most people can benefit from, because I usually don't think of like just uh, blanket plants for, for, for people that, that this is going to heal everyone or anything like that, but it's a plant that helps to restore the nervous system function. Ooh. And I think that most people could use this and it's a really neutral plant and it has no side effects. And I really don't think that you can go wrong with it. So that's oat straw, and um, I actually grow it because the medicine is most potent when you get the little seeds at their milky stage. That means you can pop them, and they have this, like, latex kind of sap that comes out. And then, and that only happens for a window of, uh, like, about a two-week window in the whole year. Wow. So then I take those, and then I make those into a remedy, like a milky oat top tincture. And... That's the main remedy that I really like to make. And I sometimes sell that on my shop as well or at the farmer's market that I work at. And the other one that I absolutely love is nettle. And I drink nettle tea brewed very, very strongly all of the time. Right. So tell me, what does nettle do for us then? So nettle is really high in iron. And super rich in chlorophyll. I get prone to anemia quite easily. And I also just, just the amount of chlorophyll in it, it's revitalizing. It feels like it revitalizes every cell in my body. It's one of those herbs that is amazing for the circulatory system and the blood. So, and it can be used for the lymphatic system as well. It's got actually so many properties. This is the thing about herbs also that I believe is like, you know, A lot of people will just say, oh, nettle is used for this. And you could actually talk for a whole week on on one plant, really. There's they're so complex and there are so many things that they do and so many things to know about them that this is one of the reasons that I believe in in cultivating relationship with them. 
Yeah, that's great. Now, are you talking in this nettle the same as stinging nettle? Stinging nettle, yes, I oh am. Oh, my God. I used to be scared of that. We lived in England, <laughs> and every time we were near a stinging nettle, I'd get stung, and I'd need a dock leaf to help me get rid yep. of the stinging nettle sting. Wow. So you can drink. How do you drink that? Yeah, you, you can just drink it. You can it? eat it. You, yeah, you blanch it, basically. Right. Yeah, and you can eat it as well. You can make, like, nettle soup and, yeah, you can make so many things with it. Nettle pie, I, like, I just fry it all the time as well. I love it. It's, Whoa. it's really delicious. That's amazing. Um, nettle chips, like, you can make kale chips, but you can make nettle chips. Oh, my God, you need to start your own restaurant. So uh, Yeah, I'm writing a book. <laughs> oh, wow. So you said you've got a shop. So can we order nettle tea from you? Uh, well, not at the moment. Um, I ju- I'm just restarting it back up for the spring. So I took a little hiatus for the winter, um, and now I'm just starting it back up for the spring, and I'll have certain things on there, like I'll have an iron tonic, tincture and milky oat tops and I'll have a few like staple things that I do um and most of the things that I make probably it's probably about 80 to 90 percent of the herbs that I use are foraged or grown myself so I'm a big believer in uh, reducing the amount of embodied energy uh, that our herbs are using and also creating herbal resilience through actually trying to cultivate these things ourselves rather than relying on certain companies or relying on people overseas growing them. Which is obviously why you're doing these courses, so people can do this themselves, which is yeah. fantastic. So if you want to hop on and look for the Permapixie, it's thepermapixie.com. And she has amazing things. I could keep talking to you forever. So tell me something <laughs> else. I just want to know about your connection to the earth. Now, you've mentioned that the plants connect you to the earth. So it, it reminds me of the Aboriginal culture and how they belong to the land. Now, do you feel that similar from your perspective? Do I feel like I belong to the land? Yes. Very much so. I believe that it's a relationship. I feel like it's a it's a dance and it's like a lover. I feel like, like, yeah, I feel like it's a lover in the fact that, like, it's a reciprocal relationship that I decide that I really want to be in. And I try and practice ways that I can give to it like it gives to me every day. You've just opened my mind, yeah. opened my eyes. Thank you so much. I wanted to talk to you yeah. about a quote, nature is the ultimate healer. What do you mean? Mm. So uh, this can be s- interpreted in so many ways, but I think that n- nature, I re- would love to um, find a better word for nature as well because it implies that we are separate from it mm. rather than a part of it. And mm. I think that that's some of the thinking that we need to maybe eradicate in order to to move forward and for to preserve this planet for future generations. But nature being the ultimate healer, This is where I feel like actually having that relationship is being out in the garden, being out in the forest, foraging for things, um, getting your hands in the soil. All of these things, I think, are the ultimate healer. It's not necessarily just the product so that you're getting from the end of that. That's a very allopathic way of looking at it, and we're basically just approaching herbalism from a Western medical perspective if we just continue to do that. Whereas I believe as a herbalist that the true healing is in that 
whole process and that process of connection, breathing in the air while you're in the forest foraging for mushrooms or, you know, uh, having the sun on your skin or using your body to, to garden and, like, you know, sunlight and soil and rain and all of these things make us come to life just as much as they make the plants come to life. So I really, I really believe in that as a process. Thank you so much, Permapixie. It has been amazing and honour and you have enlightened me and I think the rest of Australia. So if you'd like to look at Taj the Permapixie's courses, it's thepermapixie.com. She's got lots of online ones, so it doesn't matter where you're living in Australia. Please jump on and have a look. And thank you so much, Permapixie. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great. You're on Good Health Radio with Kylie Roger and we will be back after this break.